Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to The Parenthood. One of the comments I remember most vividly was when I was talking to my mother about how hard the terrible twos were. If you think this is hard, she said, watching Ludo convulse on the floor with fury, just wait until the teenage years. As my children have outgrown the tempestuous twos and their attitudes, opinions and strong wills become every day more evident, I realise more than ever how wise her words were. I'm sure that in the not too distant future, I'll be hankering after the kind of tantrum that just needs patience. But like it or not, all of us parents have to parent our children during those anxiety-ridden, hormonally charged teenage years. And with me today, I've got someone whose skills of negotiation were honed professionally. During a long legal career as a divorce lawyer, Sheila McIntosh-Stewart saw firsthand how important communication is in our everyday relationships. Now a matrimonial consultant and relationship guru, she is passionate about making society relationship smarter in the hope that this skill will make life more fulfilling for us all. Sheena, thank you so much for being here today. Tell me, what does relationship smart mean to you? I love that term. Hello, Marina. Thank you for having me today. Relationship smart is essentially skills and tips and strategies that you uh, that I, I hope I teach people to uh, empower their relationships to make their relationships richer mm-hmm. in every way. Mm-hmm. And in the teenage years, I mean, obviously, your relationship is so important with your child. On the one hand, you might think, I want to have nothing to do with this little brat that I've somehow <laughs> created. But it's when they need you the most, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. So let me start by saying that I have two, two children, two girls, um, Ali and Lizzie, and they are 23 and 19. So I, I have one who's still a teenager in her late teens. And it's been an interesting ride uh, having teenage girls. But I've, I've survived, I hope. And um, I, I'd like to, to say that they, will, um, they, they are able to say that they have enjoyed being parented by me too. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting journey. But let me start, first of all, by, by giving you a little bit of insight into teenage um, minds, because I think it's quite important to understand where they come from so that as a parent, you are able to... Um, deal with it in a better way and be, you know, and be, uh, you know, cope with it better. Because we sort of look at sort of teenage behavior yeah. and that is sort of the typical, the tantrums, the brats, the kind of the brattiness, the, moodiness the, and yeah. the sort of ignoring and the sort of shouting and the sort of slam the door. You don't get me. I hate you. That sort of stuff. And the rudeness too. Yeah, is, the rudeness. I mean, I already see it with my daughter. She's only nine, but there are some <laughs> days she's so moody and I think, God, if this yeah. is going to double then. Yeah. And there are some days when I just think, 
you know what? I'm not going to be nice to you. If you're not going to be nice yeah. to me, I'm not going to be nice to you. That's a natural reaction, isn't it? Because we feel hurt and we feel, you know, you've had them so nice and cuddly and, you know, so loving until mm. this point and suddenly they turn, you think, oh, what's happened? But a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on internally in them, obviously hormonally, they are, hormones are running riot and they... And how does that make them feel? What, what does it just makes them feel insecure? I think it makes, them, it makes them irrational, I think, a lot of the time, you know, they, and sometimes... I, and I see this in my own children. They don't. They don't know why they're behaving like this. Sometimes they come up to me and say, "Sorry, mum. You know, I'm sorry. I was a bit rude earlier. I, I actually, I don't know what came over me." So they can't even control it themselves. So, so we have to cut them a little bit of slack. I think that's really quite important. But you know, as I said, apart from the internal things going on, you know, physically, mentally, psychologically, all these things sort of in a period of transition is also the sort of external factors that, you know, teenagers today face. You have the whole sort of social media world that, you know, when I was growing up, I certainly didn't have. And I think that has had a huge impact on teenage behavior today. You know, we talk about social media as, as, as such an integral part of their lives. And um, there's so much reliance on it. You know, they're always checking their phones and always chatting to their friends and always on Instagram, you know, curating their pictures, their sort of the, their, their appearances, you know, worrying about, oh, my God, which photo should I choose? You know, there's so much time and energy spent doing that. And and a lot is because of it is because, you know, it's about imaging, isn't it? It's about making sure that they they um, they have the, they, they're projecting themselves in, in, a, in a in a good way to the world. And actually, on the one hand, you can, it's a good thing, you know, to, to put on a, a good face and a good image. But actually, there, there are so many undercurrents to this as well, because there is the issues of um, comparing and harshly judging themselves. And there's the instant like and dislike thing, you know, which which is can be so destructive, because if you don't get enough likes, you think, oh, no, I, 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 nobody loves me and all the rest of it. Um, and they're having this, compa- you know, when I was at school, it was just when you're around other people, when yeah, you're at home, absolutely. then no, I the could like slob out, and, you. Yeah. you know, and suddenly it's 24 hours a day, a you're being judged. And the whole world is judging you. Yeah. And, you know, it's very interesting, there's the whole thing about, I, I come across a lot of teenagers, and, and actually they, they, they sort of go on to have it in later life, uh, imposter syndrome. Mm. So imposter syndrome, I think, very much comes from the fact that, you know, you curate this image of yourself to the whole world, this image of perfection. But actually, you know yourself, you're not perfect. So there's no, it's not a reflection of their sort of, you know, social media status. And, and slowly this erodes their self-confidence and their, their whole sort of self-esteem thing. So it's not brilliant. But the other thing I think that teenagers have, you know, today, which we didn't have, is this this whole social media technology thing has made them very hyper um, hyper connected to one another, and this instant messaging, you know, where they ins- expect instant answers, and if you don't if you don't respond to them instantly, they feel uh, they're not loved, or you know, they, they want answers straight away. And I think that's good in one sense, but in another sense, it, they become quite spoilt. Mm. So they're in this space where they expect everything to be done for them, or you know, happening to them. And, and life doesn't happen like that, you know. Sometimes you just do. Have you to think wait. also social media is affecting their ability to communicate? Because very much so. They're, they're basically communicating via a screen, so they're not yeah. learning to read facial cues yeah, and expressions absolutely. and body language. Yeah. And absolutely. you know, when we were growing up, it was that face-to-face totally. interaction. And totally. I want, I worry that, you know. I think communication the, on the level that we do as humans is the one thing that marks us out between us and other species. Totally. I and if totally we're losing agree. that ability, that's 
going to have pretty serious consequences. Totally. Uh, and I think you're absolutely spot on because one of the things I also talk to a lot of young people about dating. So a lot of young people say to me, oh, I don't know how to go out and talk to a girl or, I don't, you know, how do I start a conversation? Because they've never really had to do it. Everything's been done on the phone. And when you're te texting, you know, you always have time to think about, you know, what's my answer going to be as opposed to seeing somebody face to face and, and, and speaking and, you know, having instant communication, you know. So, yeah, they, they do struggle. Um, there's, a, there's a whole load of education that needs to happen around helping young people um, communicate better with one another. And I do worry about our, our, you know, these youngsters growing up and having relationships and communicating with their partners when they've never really had the um, practice you know, as youngsters. And so there's obviously the pressure of making friends, which is, yeah, I mean, it's always been the case, but it's now on a ma massive, massive level, you know, whereas once your friendship group was maybe a hundred people, it's yeah. now, you know, I look at, I looked at a sort of 14 year old girl's Instagram the other day and she had, she was following a thousand people. Yeah. Um, and she had 800 followers. Um, but also that's at a time when there's tremendous pressure on them to to shine academically you know there are all Absolutely. these exams and there's and that's I mean that's got uh, I find stress impacts the way I behave to my husband to my children it's, it's the same all for everybody it's also for the for children but you're right about peer acceptance so peer acceptance as a teenager is paramount mm -hmm. you have to find your tribe you have to hang out with the right people you have to be seen to be cool you know and all these sort of things and FOMO obviously uh, fear of missing out if I don't go to that you know oh my god you know they'll call me a loser and it's all this sort of image thing you know that they have to be really cool it might be the best party ever yeah oh yeah so even though I've right got tonsillitis yeah. I must go exactly and find the best Instagram picture all that sort of stuff so as a result they don't spend as much time with their parents which I think really hurt their parents who 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 think oh my god you know why why are they so grumpy with me and they don't even spend enough time with me you know so you can see how slowly they're pulling apart at the seams in terms of the the relationship that they had before and and transitioning into teenagehood but the other thing i think is very important that parents realize as well sometimes parents forget i certainly sometimes used to forget it's actually your kid wants you to think well of them mm -hmm. you know they want you to be proud of them they want you to you know just think that they're good eggs you know that, mm -hmm. that you are you are you you trust them and that you uh but you say you forgot that it's quite easy to forget it is when your easy. child is sort of really dismissive and won't even look yeah. up when you walk into the room and yeah. give, give them a kiss good yeah. morning you sort of think well in that moment you forget yeah. yeah but actually the bigger picture is they they want their, their parents to be proud of them but they at this time of transitioning they just think actually you know mom and dad i i know you love me unconditionally you're always going to be here my friends are more important to me right now so I think you just need to accept that's just the way they are and don't begrudge them and don't get cross and just say okay that's just a phase they're going through it's so hard though it's isn't so it hard. because the only way we as parents have got through the you know the the 10 years first 10 years of their life is because we love them I mean yeah. if anyone else in the world treated us the way that a toddler <laughs> treated their parent you know you basically yeah. have to work 24 yeah. hours a day seven days yeah. a week never get a day off yeah. never get thanked yeah. never get appreciated yeah. you get screamed at you do I mean can you imagine if a boss treated you in I that know, way um and so it's the, the unconditional love is the only way we do it and yeah. then suddenly it's not like a puppy that will always love you until they die yes. <laughs> they, they then leave you you yeah, and they, they love someone else yeah. oh, that's so hard yeah. what a rum deal right <laughs> <laughs> but we do it because we are parents and we love our kids and we are we would you know we do anything for them 
you know, mm. they are, but when we, we are here, you know, our, our journey through life is, as parents, it's also to prepare them for child, for, for adulthood, mm. you know, and we just have to just roll with the punches, you know, mm-hmm. and, and just say, okay, there are days when it's really bad, but you know, there are more good days than bad days. Mm-hmm. And when it's good, it, it can be really lovely, you know. So and like I, you said, I think that's really important that just because they are awful to you doesn't yeah. mean that they don't love you no. or respect you or need you. Yeah, it's they just absolutely do. that. And I see that too. I sometimes see things come out of my mouth that I don't feel. I sometimes make people feel a certain way that I don't intend to. Yeah. And they're going through this sort of hormonal change a yeah. hundredfold more intensely exactly. than, than we are. Yeah. And they're ill-equipped to deal with it because they're young. They're totally. only teenagers. Absolutely. But a lot of the things that, that we say to our kids in, in sort of anger and haste is because we feel hurt. You know, we, we're only human. We want to be loved and we want to be appreciated. You would love your kid occasionally to come around and say, Mom, you know, you're amazing. You know, thank you for all you do. I never right. said that to my mum. I feel really guilty now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, exactly. I think sometimes we need to just cast our mind back to when we were teenagers and we were just as, I don't remember being as sort of um, moody as my, some of my children, but we never do that. <laughs> my parents never allowed me to be that, you know. But, um, but, but, you know, I think I sometimes say to my kids, you know, kids, I know that's my role as a mom is to is to support you, nurture you, love you, encourage you, do all those sort of things. But occasionally it's nice to be thanked, to say, you know, mommy, thank you. I really appreciate all you do. It's just something as simple as that. Mm-hmm. So kids, if you're listening out there, just put your, 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 arm, your arms around your mom and dad, and dad and say, look, you know, thank you for all you do. That, that's enough. That goes a long way. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I think I was reading this book recently with my children called uh, Big Ideas for Curious Minds. Yes. It's an introduction for, to curiosity. And yeah. actually, the chapter we were reading last night is why thanking people is really important. And they explained it very well to the children. And they just basically said us parents we might not seem it to you but we are actually very insecure and if you don't thank us we think that you don't appreciate yeah. us or that we're being a bad parent yeah. or that we're not doing the right thing by you yeah. and you don't feel that it's important but actually it really yeah. really is and, I, and I, I think you know my children are only nine, eight nine but they totally got it whether or not they'll continue to thank me is, is <laughs> but I'm I do sure think you know persuading someone of something is not just like you have one conversation and suddenly the the light bulb clicks on and they're going to thank you for the rest of their lives yeah. it's lots of little conversations chipping totally. away and understanding that totally. but you're right you have to teach your children how to feel empathy how to be how to learn to be kind uh and as you say p's and q's is so important not just with your family but with, with anybody you come across you know but i think a, a lot of it is also role modeling so 
I mean, I try really hard. I don't always succeed, but I I try really hard to you know make sure that you know, my the, my kids you know see me uh, you know being a good parent, being responsible, being kind, being considerate, you know have, having empathy, and you are their biggest role model. You know, so they are watching and learning all the time. So if you can if you can role model these things, they will pick it up. You know, and teaching them the good good communication skills, you know, because so much of our life is about interaction with people and not just with family, but friends and work, you know, workmates and bosses and, you know. But even the little people. Yeah, Even exactly. someone who might be delivering the food in a restaurant exactly. or the shopkeeper at the corner yeah. shop. Everybody, you know. And having kindness goes such a long way. You know, I, when I see a kind interaction... You know, the other day I was walking past a, a, a chap um, who was sitting on the side of the road and this this lady was eating her sandwich. She had two sandwiches. She gave the other half, she gave it to this chap. And I thought, oh my God, this is this is what the society should be about. We should have more compassion for people in need and just, you know, just sharing. Mm -hmm. And just a bit of kindness goes such a long way. And presenting that as normality yeah, for our absolutely. children. Not, not you're an amazing yeah, person, no. but no, this is what yeah, people do. Absolutely. And it's not normal when people don't do that. Yeah, totally. You know, and, and so it's all these sort of behaviours. If your kids saw you doing that, they think, they think that's the norm, mm. you know, and then they will, they will do it too. Mm. Mm. And, and I suppose it's also behavior. important to understand that, you know, that them being bratty is really normal. And it's almost more worrying if you had the sort of perfect child who always said, thank you, mommy, I love you. You are the most important <laughs> person. That, you, you think actually there was something yeah. wrong with that child. <laughs> so true. I mean, someone explained it to me that, um, you know, when they go out into school, into the sort of social environment, there are loads of barriers up and they can't be their true selves. True. And then they come home. And if you have created an environment in which you have impressed upon them that you love them unconditionally they can heave a sigh of release and let those barriers down and just be themselves and be their inner brat and it's so important for them to have somewhere where they can do that so actually it's the greatest totally. compliment to a parent if you've got a child who is their true self their real bratty self in front of you you've basically done the most important job totally. which is allow your you know tell your children that you love them whatever yeah i think it's absolutely spot on and also creating a stable environment at home you know so I like my kids to come back and say, you know, mommy, oh God, I have such a hard day today at school or at work or whatever. You know, but it's so nice to be home. I feel so safe here. And I and and then just make them feel good about themselves. You know, I think a lot of a lot of friction between parents is because they don't make each other feel good about themselves. You you tend to hang out with people who make you feel good about you, right? Mm, yeah. And so always remember that, you know, you just need to make sure that if your kid is having a bad day, how can you help them? You know, de-stress but also how do you make them feel super loved and safe and 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 want to be with you and feel that you are caring and listening and and how do you do that with your children because so, that's, that's the sentiment you yeah but I don't know always how to do that I mean it's, it takes years of practice it's a real <laughs> challenge I it doesn't it can't doesn't let us into the secret easy. no I'm, I'm very happy to share so um often so if my if one of my daughter so I have a I have a kid now who's working the older one and she comes back and says oh mommy I've had such a bad day you know you know office politics whatever you know and I will say so kid darling why don't you you know sometimes you need to let them decompress a little bit because when they come back they they, they need to sort of zone out of, of whatever they need to so often I say just go and have a shower and just you know just take some time out 15-20 minutes and then come and sit down and I'll give you a hug and then we can just, we don't have to talk about your day because sometimes they don't want to talk about their day and just talk about stuff, you know, we talk about, you know, 
uh, you know, I was telling her about my day or sometimes we, we say, let's just play a game, you know, a fun game or whatever. And we just have little games and we sort of, I just try and take her mind off it. And when she's really quite relaxed, then she feels in the happiest place to say, actually, you know, mommy, I'm ready to talk now. So sometimes we expect our children to just talk to us straight away and, and be in the zone. But actually it's just, just really just listening to them and their needs because they just need you to just be there for them. But what about the girl that comes in through the door, stomps through the door, slams it, and then you're like, hello, my darling, it's so nice to see you. Oh, go away, I don't want to talk to you. When you're getting that real sort of teenage kickback, the world is a bad place. How do you deal with it then? What would you do? It takes a lot of resolve and a lot of sort of eating your your words and biting your tongue, doesn't it? Ultimately, obviously, I've had those two. And ultimately, you can do one of two things. You can either shout back at her and say, you know, you, how dare you talk to me like that? You know, you rude girl or whatever. Or you can just say, you know what? I'm just going to let this one ride and I'm going to bite my tongue and then let her just de-escalate and decompress. And then when she's in a better mood, say, darling, you know, I felt a bit hurt by that. You know, uh, so you, you, you basically control your emotions. And then you find it's all about timing as well. You need to find the right time and the body language and the delivery. And sometimes they come back, they're quite hungry. I think I I always find that my kids used to be very hungry and very tired. So sometimes making sure they have a good meal actually Mm. helps a lot. Mm. You know, blood sugar levels could be quite low. But these are sort of practical things that sometimes, you know, when you're in, in a heat of the moment, you don't think about. But you, you, ultimately, you can only do, you can only control your emotions. Your, as I said, you can either shout and scream and all the rest of it. Or you and that's say, always the worst yeah. decision, isn't it? And actually, that doesn't work. And, you know, there have been occasions when, I, you know, my daughter and I have had slanging matches and, and it can really descend into a vicious spiral, you know, where we both don't want to talk. We feel so hurt because we've said things we don't like. But so, and, and, and I've just learned in later life that actually I used to say, you know, darling, we, this is going nowhere. You know, it's no point us having a fight about this. Why don't we just park this for now and we'll revisit this, you know, in a couple of hours when we are both feeling less angry and less stressful. And actually that really works. And yeah. you say, look, um, I know you feel the way you feel, but I also have feel the way I feel. And ultimately I'm your parent and I, I worry about you and I, I don't want you to be hurt or, or whatever it is that you're dealing with. But just be sure that you know that you understand and you listen. And presumably you empathize too. And you can empathize, say, yeah. you know what? You know I what? get it. I I've totally had those days it, too. Yeah. And I feel just like, why don't you go upstairs, have a bath. Yes. I'll bring you Absolutely. a hot chocolate Absolutely. and you can have it in the bath. And then when you feel a bit better, let's yeah. come and talk. Come, and come we'll, have a hug. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Have a hug. You don't even need to talk for a while. You can just have a hug. Mm. And then... Because you don't want to be smothered. You know, when I yeah. have those moods, I don't want someone to go, oh, come on and hug. If you're not ready yeah. for a hug, yeah. the last thing you want is someone true. to hug you. That's true. And if you get someone going, I get it. I sometimes just feel really angry at the world. Yeah, you go and be on your own. I'll bring you hot chocolate. Yeah. You don't need to drink it. Yeah. And and, but you do need to talk either. Yeah. We'll, you know, we'll just let you just decompress. Sometimes it's just just letting them just have the space to just be and just, you know, unwind. But sometimes as parents, we go, oh, you know, we want the answer straight away, you know, that sort of thing. And they're going, enough, enough. This is all just too much. You know what I mean? Because it... it there is also the idea that the more you don't want to encourage this behavior yeah you want to understand it you want to empathize with it but you don't want them to sort of think it's okay to treat you like that to talk you know talk to you like that and I do see it I remember growing up there were some children that I remember noticing they were so 
awful to their parents yeah, I, remember I've one family in particular and all of our i've got two sisters and we all say oh god yes that family they're just dreadful yeah. to the parents and yeah. and, and i the do parents think let them get away with let it them yeah. get away with it but you know th- but there's that balance isn't it you just said that it's important not to sort of um shout back at them and say actually this behavior is unacceptable go to your room when they're just yeah, having yeah, yeah. that sort of hormonal day but so at one time one you know empathize with them but also make them realize in the longer term that respect and politeness is really important yeah you know if whether it's your parents or teacher or your friend so one of the big things that i've certainly found in in my relationship with my children is that actually i it's very respect is really important but you need to set clear boundaries and you need to set clear expectations so often you know um a lot of it's tied up with your core values so for example, I won't tolerate bad behavior or impoliteness or whatever. So you, you, in, in calm moments, you say, you know, darling, there are certain things, certain standards of behavior that I will expect from you. And I'm still the parent mm. and I need you to, you know, I, I need you to respect that. So you set very clear boundaries of what's acceptable and not acceptable and show them the consequences of what, if they overstep the mark, mm. you know, and if they know what those, those, those boundaries are and expectations and what will happen if they they stepped over the mark then actually they they will think twice before they actually you know uh, stepped over those boundaries so but you need to as you say it's communication and setting very clearly what you find acceptable so my daughters and I are very good friends but never in in my time with them have they ever crossed the line because they know actually that's mum mm. and 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 this is where we are and you know we are friends but we're not buddies but some children will cross the line of course they will you know i think that um I, I suppose it's really important to to give them a reason why it's why you don't cross yeah. that line. And I remember, you know, I think that, that 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 conversation around sort of why politeness starts at home and how rudeness is one of the least tolerable, yeah. you know, unacceptable behaviours yeah. in whoever you are. Absolutely. And you know, and there are some grown ups who are rude, and you hear about it. You hear about yeah. it in the press about you know, well known. I'm not going to mention any names here, but I think we know what we're talking about. Well known employers who are just have a a reputation of being rude and dismissive and particularly rude to women. I know. And we see where it gets them. Unacceptable. And the whole world turns on them and go, I don't care how successful or yeah. rich you are or how powerful you are. This behavior is unacceptable. And that's why it is so important that you teach those manners at home and, and maybe even pointing out behavior with their friends to say, I, I noticed that, you know, so-and-so in the playground or the way he was talking to his yeah. mother you know, that makes me think what a nasty child and that he must be very, very unhappy and and maybe explaining to them in that way. So it's sort of slightly, it's not you and your behavior. It's that we've looked at that behavior. I don't think that's right. But then also take another behavior. I saw that person in the playground and I know she didn't, she really wanted to go on the play date and her mother said she couldn't. And actually she took it on board and she respected. And I looked at her and I thought, what a grown up girl. Uh, What a, you know, she's obviously very bright and she's, She's very mature. Yeah. And because I remember it was that talk about that family that I'd mentioned and, and my mother pointing out that that behavior was really unacceptable and seeing it as a third party and thinking, it is, isn't it? Totally. I don't want to be like that. Yeah. And that was almost the most powerful incentive not to be rude. Yeah. But actually, coupled with sort of setting boundaries and expectations is also very closely followed by you need to make sure that you pick up on their good behavior. You know, you said that girl is a mm. good girl because so I think always make sure that you pick up on their good behavior because I think as, as parents sometimes we have a tendency when we're tired and you know when they're shouting at us to sort of nag them or, or, or say some give some negative feedback but when they're doing well 
and you say, look, I'm, you know, praising them and saying, I'm really proud of you for even the little things that you do and being their cheerleader and, and, and just noticing that they are you know, behaving well and say, you know, well done you for doing such and so, well done you for eating all your vegetables. You know, they like being praised. They like to be liked. So it's but also important. encouraging other people to praise them. I remember so well, my mother, um, we'd been to a party, the three of us, and, and a friend of hers had been to the party. And, and about a few days later, she said, my friend called me and just told me how polite you were to her <laughs> and her daughter. And she said to me, that has made me more proud of pretty much anything you've done. And I, this was now 25 years ago that this happened. And I, it's one of those kind of beacon moments of my childhood. I really remembered that. Yeah. And so it's you when it other people, mind, right? yeah. you know, grandma told me how, how, what a lovely thank you yeah. letter you wrote. And she was really yeah. impressed by that. That has much more meaning sometimes than mummy droning on and on. Yeah. I was really impressed. Oh yeah, mummy always impressed with, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, but you're right. So Lizzie, my younger daughter, when she used to go and play for play dates and she was very good at sort of clearing the table and laying the table and all the rest of it so she did the same when she used to go and see her friends you know play dates and things and the friend's mom used to say oh my goodness Lizzie you are that's amazing you know you're you're helping us lay the table and clear the table and she says thank you but you know that's what I do at home so it's like a natural thing you know mm-hmm. and she was so thrilled to be just thanked for something that she did she just just did ordinarily you know so and she talks about this so it obviously sticks in her mind you know the praising thing but I also think there's another bit which I think sometimes we as parents forget is that we don't often validate their feelings. So if they're having a bad day or whatever, tell mommy I'm having a really bad day or whatever, and you go, oh, snap out of it or whatever, you know. But actually sometimes they just need you to say, you know what, darling, I'm sorry you're having a bad day. Um, hey, you know what, I have bad days too. So it's okay. It's okay to have bad days, you know. And just acknowledge the fact that they are having a, sh- a bad day and, you know, they are sometimes they don't understand why but just don't ignore them or talk down to them or anything like that. I think it's really important too and you talked about boundaries I mean obviously yeah. as a teenager it's all about pushing those boundaries um but what about when it comes to sort of going out and curfew because there's an element of you want to trust them and you yeah. want to show them that you trust them but they're also not necessarily equipped with making those right decisions that will keep them safe. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in the 21st century, they're also probably presented with more sort of everyday dangers and risks that we as parents maybe don't even know so much about. And so as a result, they're even more scary. Um, how do you deal with that? Mm. How do you get children to respect those? Because it's one thing putting those boundaries in place. Yeah. And some children, and I was always one of those people that I totally respected those boundaries I was a pleaser I didn't want to let my children yeah. down but I have plenty of friends you can say your curfew I want you home by one they've yeah. got no intention of returning yeah. by one and there's once once they've left there's nothing that the parents can do about it is there anything you can do to make them respect those boundaries I mean that's a very very good question and there is no easy answer all I can say is two things firstly you need to build up trust and trust building takes time um And the second thing is you need to teach children self-agency. In other words, you need to empower them to, um, uh, to, to play a role in their upbringing. If you, if you, if it's for want of a better word, within, within, within limits. So give them the power, give them the power to make choices and to make mistakes and to learn from them. Because we as parents tend to think, oh my God, you know, so-and-so, our kid is, is about to walk. Oh my God, he's going to fall down or she's going to fall down, whatever. No, we can't let that happen. Actually, it's okay. So so a very good example. So Liz Ali, my oldest daughter, um, when she was about 
two or three. She said, Mommy, what's that? So I said, that's an iron shot. I said, don't touch it. She says, why? I said, she, she says, I said, it's hot. She says, what's hot? So she didn't listen. She put her hand there and she got burnt. And she knew after that, she was never going to touch the eye again because mm. it was hot. Mm. Because she didn't know what hot mean, meant. But that's one thing. When it's like, mummy, why can't I take ecstasy? And then you're <laughs> like, no, no, I, didn't, I don't want her to like try, have a bad experience. And then, yeah. you know. No, I, t- I totally agree. That's a bit of a difference, right? It's, yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, yeah. it's one thing encouraging your two-year-old to yeah. take risks. You know, I remember encouraging them to fall down the stairs. Yeah. But I put cushions at the bottom. Yeah, yeah. When you, they're teenagers, they are not necessarily going to take so those risks with you. So how do you, how do you get them to, because I do believe, you know, make mistakes. You only, I, I think everyone's got to get too drunk one time to know yeah. that a really filthy hangover yeah. makes it's not, means it's sort yeah. of not worth it. And if you never let your children get drunk, then, yeah. then they're going to learn that a lot later. I mean, a friend of mine had a very good technique. She said that her kid was asking her about smoking at the age of 13. She said, oh, mommy, I want to smoke, I want to smoke. And the mum says, no, no. Eventually she says, you know what? If you want to smoke, let's do it together. Mm-hmm. And then the kid got so ill from smoking. <laughs> She's like, oh my God, mommy, I, I could never, ever smoke again like this. And so she, she learned her lesson, so she did it with her daughter. I mean, you're right. It, with, with things like, you know, education, it's all to do with education. I think a lot of, of it is just being open and honest and having very healthy discussions about healthy relationships, sexual education, about drug abuse, substance abuse, all that sort of stuff. And just really... Uh, making them understand that actually, you know, obviously, at the end of the day, if they decide to do it, you know, you, you can't really stop them because you can't watch them 24-7. But if they do, if they did that, the consequences may be so great that they will never bounce back from that. I think it's just really making them understand that the, the sort of side effects and the negative effects of any of these bad sort of things is is going to impact on them. So, a lot of discussion, I think open and honest discussion, don't hide away from this difficult conversation. So parents do hide away from difficult conversations. Oh, the schools will teach them. Oh, they will learn from their friends. Actually, no. It's your responsibility is to sit them down and say, is this happening to your friends? Is this happening at school? You know, tell me, talk to me. Mm. I, won't, I won't, you know, be cross because obviously I'm, I'm on your side. Um, I but won't you judge really, you. I don't judge you. But, you know, please know that, you know, it's, it's really a very bad idea. I think that's that. But also... Teaching them, empowering them to take a role in their upbringing is really important. So often parents say, I will make the decisions all for you. But sometimes for the smaller decisions, you need to say, look, I need you to just, there are a couple of choices here. What would you like? Then you need to listen to why they make those choices because you need to see how they're thinking and you need to sort of see how they're engaging. You can then help, help to, you can understand better where they're coming from and you can help to guide them in their thinking. Because until you talk to them about it and see how they think, you don't know how they think, rather than just force. So a lot of parents just force suggestions on their children rather than saying, look, these are two choices. Which would you choose and why? Mm. You know? So you, you te- in that way, you teach them resilience. You teach them how to make healthy decisions. Mm-hmm. It's all those things that, you know, as parents, we don't, it's not a natural. Nobody's taught us how to be a parent. And I only learned about this through a lot of trial and error that actually a lot of time I, I trust my children because I've taught them the good values of, you know, making their own decisions, the right decisions, good decisions, sometimes mm-hmm. not always right, but, you know, luckily it didn't really matter. But when they make mistakes, they think, actually, I shouldn't do that again. That was a silly mistake, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's choosing the wrong boyfriend or whatever, you know. So it's just really just trusting them mm-hmm. because you've taught them well. 
What's really interesting about chatting to you for me is that you've come to this with a career, you know, mediating between warring couples who often hate each other's guts. And Mm -hmm. I do think that, you know, sometimes those teenage years, there's a bit of resistance, but it's okay. But I do speak to parents and it does definitely feel that the, the teenagers hate their parents' guts. And sometimes that is reciprocated by the parents. In terms of, you know, as a, as a couple who are divorcing and hate each yeah. other, uh, there's a lot of similarity between parents yeah. and the children. You know, they, they might not want to be with each other. They might not want to, to work together, but they need to because of their circumstances. Yeah. How, what tips would you give um, in terms of trying to resolve issues when you, when kind of all communication has broken down and all respect has broken down? How do you, how do you get that back? Where do you start from if you feel that it's impossible to communicate with your ex-husband or with your teenager? Are there, are there any strategies that you found that were useful in the sort of marriage breakdown sort of genre that might be able to be transferable to sort of parents and teenagers you are absolutely spot on when a, when a relationship is broken down it's sometimes very hard to salvage it and i come back to this at the end of the day you can't expect the other person to jump to your tune or you know behave in, in, in the way you want them to behave when particularly when a, a relationship is broken down all you can do is control your emotions and your reactions so it has to start with you I know a lot of people feel, why should it be me? Because, you know, I've, 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 you know, he's left me or my kid's spoken to me like that. I think you just have to, you just have to find some inner peace and say, look, you know, if I don't do this right, this is going to descend even into a, a worse stage. And is that really benefiting all of us? So you have to reach into your inner deeper recesses and say, look, I, I have to find some forgiveness even though so-and-so is behaving badly. And, uh, actually, and maybe you need to do a boxing class beforehand. Yeah, yeah. that sort of frustration yeah. and Get anger boxing, or yeah. have a rant to Absolutely, someone. Yeah. But in terms of, of dealing with it, you just have to rationalize it and say, look, I've got to be the bigger person. I've got to find some forgiveness. And actually, it really sometimes does work because it's very hard to argue or rant against someone who's actually quite reasonable and quite kind. Mm-hmm. You know, so if, say, you know, I see and I, I've, I've done this myself. So if I'm shouting at my husband or whatever, and he's just looking at me and he's not shouting back and he's just looking at me and he says, sometimes he says, you know, Sheila, I know you're going through a hard day and, um, you know, I know you feel frustrated, but, you know, know that I love you and that I'm, I support you on your journey. And, you know, I'm, and, you know, I'm here for you. And when somebody says that, wow, mm. <laughs> you think I cannot continue to be such a, you know, so-and-so you calm down. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same with children and, and, and exes. You know, if you are showing some love and some uh, forgiveness, actually they calm down too. Mm-hmm. And they think, oh, actually, I better just tone down because mm-hmm. actually my behavior is unacceptable. So you slightly love bomb them mm-hmm. is what I would say. Mm-hmm. Hard as it is, you're right, it's very tough when you are feeling angry, unhappy, you feel that it's so unjust, you know, the whole thing, you know. But you just got to, Take yourself out of out of this and say, look, how do I make this better? Only I can do it because I can't expect them to do it. Exactly. And I suppose if you want that relationship to be improved, then you've got to lead rather than yeah. thinking, well, I shouldn't Absolutely. have to do this. Yeah. If you if you leave it to somebody else, you've got to curate your own your own sort of relationships, right? Mm. It doesn't just happen. It mm. takes work. And mm-hmm. you start with you. 
Mm-hmm. And also that's great behavior to model to your child yeah, who absolutely. will learn then when yeah. they, you know, I mean, the teenage relationship is not the only hard relationship they're ever going to have. Yeah. And if you can teach them tough. how to work through difficult yeah. relationships, then ultimately that's one of life's most important lessons. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, obviously be totally... Uh, you know, let people walk all over you like that. Obviously, have certain boundaries, but always start by saying, "Look, I, I, you know, let's start with this strategy, love in action strategy, where I am, I'm going to love bomb them, yeah, and see how far that gets me. Sometimes, more often than not, it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Then you have to find another strategy. Yeah, and it's not ever, you know, it's not like you have one talk and they're like, oh, all is forgiven. Yeah, I'm no. going to be sweet as night. It takes time. And, and, and it's, it's almost like a sort of constant work in progress. Con- it's constant. A, a conversation every day yeah. Yeah, that just showing yeah. them that you love them yeah. unconditionally Absolutely. and that you understand that they're going through yeah. a tough time. The same, I suppose, with your ex-husband. Yeah. It's not just once, exactly. oh, brilliant, it's all resolved now. Yeah. No, 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 it's, a, it's an ongoing thing. But th- th- it's also practice. The, the more you do with your kid, with your ex, the more you develop a pattern and of good behavior and habit and people tend to follow habits and patterns. You know, if you always have bad patterns, it's hard to break patterns. But if you start with a good pattern and good habit, then you start as you mean to go on. Mm-hmm. How is your relationship with your girls now? It sounds like it's great. <laughs> so yeah, Ali and Lizzie are, yeah, they, they've now become little women. Mm-hmm. And so um, with their own challenges in life, but we, we are a strong unit. Uh, we, you know, we, we have a lot of fun together. I enjoy their company immensely and I think they enjoy my company. And I think ultimately it's about we all make each other feel good in each other's company. And when you look back on their sort of teenage years, I mean, obviously your youngest is just coming out of those now. Would you say that there were years that were the hardest? Um, I mean, obviously it it probably changes between the two of them because we realize that you can't really categorize children. They are all individuals and every one of them will experience things in different ways. But if you were sort of, if you were to look back, would you say that there are, you know, certain, certain ones that were the hardest? I was quite fortunate because actually maybe it's through the sort of my sort of parenting and, you know, all the things we talked about, I, I sort of practiced quite sort of heavily. So I, they were, no, they were, they were good kids. They, they weren't difficult kids. You know, they had the odd sort of rant and sort of moods, you know, moods throwing things around, but on the whole, they were very respectful and they were just, you know, very good kids. So I have, I've said, I, I, I probably got lucky. Mm-hmm. And if you find that things are really difficult with your teenager and you just simply don't feel like you're making any headway, maybe your husband or your partner and you're finding it difficult to agree on how to go forward in terms of, of, you know, dealing with your difficult teenager and you might be finding that that is impacting then your relationship. If you're sort of desperate and you feel that you can't resolve these issues yourself, is there anyone you can go to as either a mother or a couple or as as a sort of parent and children that might be able to help or do you think that kind of therapy just doesn't work because they're just too resistant in that situation i mean every case is different but i i I would say i I i've talked to quite a number of parents obviously through the work i do you know who have got difficult issues with their parents and especially so when they're going through a divorce and their kids are you know being very tricky as well because that's often the time when the relationship difficult time you know especially for teenage years and I do spend some time coaching uh, some of these parents and using some of the strategies we talked about, sort of real-life strategies. Um, ultimately, it's about breaking things down into sort of simpler simpler chunks, for example, you know. So 
one of the big big problems with a, with a lot of parents is tidying the room mm-hmm. okay so the, the parents are screaming at the children because their room is such a tip whatever so often I say so it's something as simple as that okay you're just not making any headway often I say look actually shouting at them is it's, it's just like it's just bouncing off them it has mm-hmm. no impact so why don't you do something more proactive why don't you go around the room with them says okay today let's just you and I let's go to the room let's not have angry words and let's just go around the room and just pick stuff up and then put them in their place and then, you know, we can work through this. Mm. So you go around, especially with boys, you know, you say, right, he picks up a nice is that clean or dirty you say oh this is dirty right that goes into the, mm. the wash basket that's clean okay let's fold it up and put it away so you you slowly show them that actually it's not as difficult as it is mm. it's not such a big mountain and if he did it sort of every day would he would get on top of it and you basically just teach them these skills because sometimes they it seems so obvious to you doesn't it just pick up your clothes off the floor pick up your towel but mm. sometimes they they just don't it doesn't factor in their brain but sometimes you have to be messy and disorganized to realize why it's important to be tidy yeah, and organized. There's also that, yeah. And so is there not an element of just thinking, okay, it's not the end of the world if their room is messy. Uh, absolutely. I'll just let it go. That's also, And yes. if he can't find his homework or his football boots or the, the whatever it is that's really important to him, then he'll realize why having a yeah, tidy room if is important. That's the only yeah. thing. Or if he forgets his school book and his t- teacher scolds him, then he's got to face the consequences, mm-hmm. right? So, or he doesn't do his homework, yeah. So there, there are many strategies you can adopt, you know, and you, if one doesn't work you can try another strategy and but you're right just sometimes you just got to let it go a little bit mm. you know you can't be a perfectionist parent mm. so many parents i know just want everything to be just so and sometimes i said look you know imperfection is good mm. you know nobody's nobody's perfect imperfection is our perfection mm-hmm. is my perfection you know mm-hmm. so just let it go mm-hmm. it doesn't matter you know, yeah. just focus on what's really right, important. Just make sure that he or she is happy and stable and and mentally well adjusted. And you know, um, and just being a teenager. Yeah. You know, they will. And grow I guess also it. thinking it could be worse. I mean, yeah. So you know, true. What you want is you know, a child that doesn't tidy their room. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. You know, at least they're not refusing to go to school. Exactly. Or, and they're, um, or they're doing well at school. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. I think you just got to pick your battles. Mm. Doesn't mean you can't fight all your battles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Sheila, it's been great talking to you. Thank you. Um, if you want to hear a bit more about what Sheila does, you can look online. Your website is sheilamacintoshstewart.com. And it's S H E E L A, MacintoshStewart.com. I'll link it in the show notes. Uh, and you're on Instagram as well, aren't yes, you? Yes, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. It's been so interesting. And when you first contacted me, I thought that is such <laughs> it, it speaks volumes that the divorce lawyer feels that she's got the perfect skill to uh, talk about so. relationships we have with teenagers. <laughs> I think Delighted. that itself will make a lot of our listeners feel quite thank uh, relieved. Thank you for having me, Marina. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, thank you. And thank you all for downloading another episode of The Parenthood. You can subscribe, rate and review us wherever you get this podcast. It makes a huge difference in terms of where we find our listeners. You can also follow me on Instagram. I'm at marina.fogel. But in the meantime, from Sheila and me, thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.